Hello and welcome everyone. I am Jake Wurzak and this is Masters of Moments. This podcast features conversations with the top entrepreneurs and business leaders around hospitality, real estate, investing, and company building. We explore the ideas, strategies, and approaches that brought them to where they are today. Hear the insights, behind the scenes secrets, and methods you can't find anywhere else. This podcast is for you if you are a seasoned investor, an upstart entrepreneur, or someone looking to break into the real estate and hospitality investing world. I would love to hear from you by tweeting me at jwerzak on Twitter. And if you have enjoyed this show, I'd be incredibly grateful if you followed us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you listen to. We record on video, so you can always find all of our episodes on YouTube and be sure to subscribe. Thank you so much for joining me and enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome. This is a solo podcast today. We're going to do a full deep dive into the world of general partner fees, including what they are, what you should be charging, all the misconceptions, and the benefits of running a profitable asset management business, and the pathway to building a world-class real estate private equity firm. This podcast is actually spurred by a conversation I was having with a very good friend of mine who's incredibly experienced in hospitality investing, runs a very large management company and investment company. And he was telling me that his current structure doesn't have his investment company to the point where it's able to break even. And we were going through all the fees and what he's charging. And it turned out that my friend was essentially giving away so much value for free to his investors and subsidizing part of their return, but also all that benefit that he was providing. He wasn't charging for it and wasn't able to be profitable. And I don't see how that is a sustainable way to run an investment firm. A lot of investors, particularly for emerging GPs, are going to try and squeeze them really hard on the fee side. But it's really, really, really important for operators and GPs to push back because you are not going to be able to build a long-term business if you are giving away all this stuff for free. And it is unreasonable for someone to think that you should be running a business at a loss. No one would ever invest in a business or a real estate business if the thing was losing money. It just doesn't make sense. If it was some other type of business, like you were making widgets, you wouldn't run that at a loss or even break even. You are in business to be profitable. And a GP has chosen his business to own real estate and run a platform that asset manages or operates the real estate. So what I'm going to talk about today is just based on my experience at Dove Hill, how we've evolved and where we are today. And I'm also going to give you some insights into some of the other GPs that are much larger than me that I've spoken to and what they do in their company. First off, why do general partners who are running real estate investment private equity firms even charge fees? Well, fees cover everything from payroll to overhead to rent to light bulbs, they keep the light on. 
And it is really important as an entrepreneur that I am building a sustainable business that can make an impact. And if I am doing that only to just break even or be at a loss, then there's no point to me, for me to be in business. And some people might say, well, a GP should make all of its money when the investors make money at the end of the day. The reality is that's true. The money that the GP is making on asset management fees and the normal ongoing fees are really just covering overhead, general lifestyle. Where you make real money is if the investors make real money at the end in the form of a promote. The fees that we're talking about today typically are not creating generational wealth like you would find if you sell a property and it's phenomenally expensive. So I want you to think about every major capital allocator out there from real estate to stocks and those businesses that are probably popping into your mind. Think of JP Morgan, Charles Schwab, Starwood, Blackstone. Those are major businesses with long-lasting value that has a true enterprise value on the operating business. And I think that's the goal of being in business. You probably want to create value within the business. In addition to just making a good product or selling a good service, you want the business to be valuable so that you could potentially sell it one day. You could pass it on to your family. You could sell it to your employees. If you are just creating something and selling a product, but the business itself has no value, then really, what are you creating? You just made a good product. So I think every entrepreneur's long-term goal is to create a sustainable business that has long-lasting, everlasting value. And that is true for real estate operators, and it should be true for real estate operators. There's a lot of misconceptions out there, I think, that particularly are very prevalent among emerging GPs that charging fees and making a profit at the operating company is bad. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Obviously, I am a GP. Sure, I'm biased, but I'm also an investor. So I can think about it from that standpoint as well. And I think the stigma is, well, you should just make money at the end when I'm making money. But again, that is not sustainable over the long term. And I think investors that push GPs to do that are really just in it for a deal-by-deal -deal basis. They aren't into building a long-term relationship with you or your firm. They're really just moving on to the next deal and trying to suck every bit of return for themselves and not willing to share that. And maybe if you find yourself with investors like that, you need to have a conversation and think about, are these the people that are gonna really support my business over the long run or are these just deal junkies or deal people and they're just happy to go to the next deal and they don't really care who the GP or the operator is. When I started Dove Hill, it was really important to me to have a company that had a tremendous reputation, that had great team, that treated our investors great, and we were really, really amazing at what we did. Those were the goals. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't charge my services and I didn't charge for the fees. And if you find yourself in a situation where you have investors that don't really care about that, then it's important to recognize and maybe pivot away from that. But it makes no sense 
to just be running your real estate private equity firm at a loss or a break even. Many investors will say this because they're not investing in the opco. They're investing in the real estate. And that's a valid point. Why do they care if the opco is going to be successful? They really are just investing in the real estate venture and they hope that's going to be successful. The reality is, in my opinion, it is impossible to scale a real estate private equity firm or a deal shop that's doing real estate deals to be really impactful to keep that momentum up if you are not getting paid and you are not profitable. Eventually, you just aren't going to be in the position to attract talent. You're not going to be able to invest in the systems. You're not going to have the best accounting. You're not going to be able to asset manage the investment to the best ability. You are going to miss out on new deals. You're going to miss out on opportunities. I think it's important. This might actually be a good place to talk about the difference between a deal shop and a real estate private equity company. A deal shop is really just one person or two people that go around and find deals. They then syndicate out those deals and maybe they operate them, maybe they don't, but it's very focused on the individual real estate and they're just going from one deal to the next. A real estate private equity company is heavily focused on finding the best deals, building a team that can source those deals, that can manage those deals to their highest potential, and really building an infrastructure around the real estate. Whereas a deal shop, in many cases, they might not even be operating the deal. They might just hire someone else to operate the deal. And they're really just almost like a broker. They're sourcing a deal for investors and maybe taking a little bit of the upside if the deal performs. I don't want to be a deal shop. We are not a deal shop. We have a team of professionals that has a reputation in the industry that we think is way more valuable than just being able to churn and burn through potential deals. I want to talk now about charging market fees and taking that to build great returns. By charging market rate fees, you're then able to create this sustainable business that will create a flywheel that allow you to continue to grow your investors, continue to have successful deals, move on to bigger and better deals, source deals that no one else can because you have proprietary software or better data, better talent. It'll allow you to have better accounting systems, better investment management systems, and overall run a much more sustainable company that investors will appreciate because you're constantly giving them updates, you're into the data, your reporting is timely. Another factor I think that's underappreciated is borrowing costs. In times like this that we're in, where we're in right now, where costs have skyrocketed to the moon to get debt, the best firms are not only able to get better terms, but they're able to just get debt in general. A lot of deal shops or upstart people trying to break into real estate right now are not able to get debt because they have real, really no business behind them. If you have a big real estate private equity firm with a reputation, with a business, with a team, 
that is going to get you much better borrowing costs and create operational levers that you wouldn't be able to ordinarily get. I'll give you an example. We were once doing a deal in 2019 with one of the largest uh, institutional real estate partners in the world. And my firm, Dove Hill, had started out with sourcing the debt and we got really great CMBS debt. Side note, I don't know that I'm ever going to do CMBS debt again, but we got really great CMBS debt. And by the time we brought our partner in, they said, hey, let us talk to the bank because we think we can improve the terms a little bit. And then at the time, it was a 10-year deal. I think we were getting three years interest only, and then the balance would just amortize out. And the rate was approximately 5% fixed. Well, this institutional partner talked with the lender who they had other deals with, and they were basically able to get us 10-year interest-only debt. And I think the rate was something like 4.6%. So they were able to save over 40 basis points on the rate, but also get us 10 years of interest-only money. That was only because their reputation, their size and scale And the only way they would have been able to do that and sustain that business is with charging market rate fees. I think GPs that don't charge market rate fees or offer reduced fees are just hurting their opco in the long run because they're constantly going to be looking for cash to really support the business. And it also could create some misaligned incentives. So if your only upside as a GP operator is to get a big win when you sell an asset, well, then you're going to be only looking to churn and burn assets, even though what might be in the best interest of the real estate or the investors is actually to hold the investment. And if you're only getting the win when you sell, then you're just going to be motivated to sell. If LPs want to incentivize GPs to make great decisions, then they want to align the GP as closely with their interest as possible. A couple ways to do that. One is by having the GP invest alongside. Another is by creating incentives that ensure the GP takes the best possible care of the real estate and the investment and maximizes the the value both on operating cash flow and capital event cash flow. I think another key thing to distinguish is between real estate operating companies and assets. Oftentimes, investors or people will confuse the two. And they'll confuse the two if the real estate operating company maybe doesn't have the bandwidth or the strength or the muster to stand on its own. And they kind of just lump it into the real estate asset. But in my opinion, at Dove Hill, we run two separate vehicles. We have our real estate opco and then the real estate assets that we invest into. So let's take a simple example. We buy a hotel in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The hotel's worth $50 million. And our investment company, Dove Hill, is running the investment and managing the asset. Additionally, our third-party management company, the Warzak Hotel Group, is going to operate the asset. 
the asset has its own P&L, its own financials, its own objectives, its own tax obligations, and it is separate and distinct from the opco. The investors invest into the asset, not the opco. The opco is there to ensure the asset is managed, maintained. If it's a commercial property, they're going to oversee the leasing. They're going to make the key day-to-day decisions. They're going to decide if there's any CapEx needs. The asset oftentimes can't do that on its own. Even if you have a property manager at the asset, most of the things that the asset manager is doing is much more strategic, much more long thinking, and involves bigger dollars than the property manager can withstand. The property manager is more focused on the day-to-day minutia, whereas an asset manager, a real estate operating company, is going to be focused on the bigger picture, bigger expenses, bigger strategic decisions, such as debt, refinancings, major capital projects, uh, agreeing to major leases, or agreeing to the budget, the business plan. Those are the values and the advantages to having an operating company as opposed to just buying an asset with nothing there to support it. I I think it's important to understand where your company is at in its life cycle. If you're an entrepreneur and you are starting out in building a real estate private equity business, then it's important to really make sure that you are charging for everything you're doing, your fees are market, but it's also important to know maybe what you should outsource given the size and scale of your current business and what you might like to grow into. So for example, if you're starting out with a real estate private equity firm, you might find that the management of whatever asset class you're in is not the business that you want to be in. You want to be in the owning, investing, and developing of the real estate, but maybe not the day-to-day management. And you can actually farm that out to a third party. You may also find that given your size and scale, it might make sense to outsource accounting because you can go to a firm, get the benefit of five experienced professionals split that cost with some of their other clients and leverage that relationship to have best-in-class accounting as opposed to just maybe trying to do it with a simple bookkeeper, which is very challenging. I know we've been there. The primary components and fees for a real estate private equity company are typically going to fall into these categories. Asset management fee, which is going to range between, we charge 2%. I've seen it at 1%. I don't think that's profitable at scale. I don't think it's profitable unless you have, uh, you know, maybe a a billion dollars under management or something like that. But we charge 2% of equity managed, not assets managed. So if the assets appreciate, we don't get paid more money. We're charging it just on the equity. And that's going to cover all of our overhead, all of our operating expenses, our talent, our team that's going to have the deal flow, the data, the reporting, all of those sorts of things. Additionally, on a deal-by-deal basis, we will also charge an acquisition fee. And the acquisition fee is really important because it goes to incentivize our team members and we actually divide the acquisition fee 
amongst all of the team. And it becomes really important and something that is uh, not only important for sourcing the deal, creating incentives there, but also aligning the team around the common goal of acquiring great real estate. Another thing that we think about is what we should charge for and what should kind of be included in our asset management fee. So a simple way to kind of look at that is to evaluate what you could outsource and what you probably can't outsource. So if you can outsource it, then it's something that you could potentially be charging for. It might be swept up in your asset management fee, but certainly if it's something that if you weren't doing it and you had to get it done and you had to outsource it, you would want to charge for that. The best way to figure out what people are charging is to just go speak to some of those third-party providers. So one of the, the things that I recommend people do is get a piece of paper and write down everything that you're currently doing for your deals and your investors. And think about on all those items, what you could be outsourcing and what you're doing in-house and what you're charging for. From there, you can really analyze where the gaps are. For example, if you are doing like property level accounting, but you're not charging that back to the asset and you're kind of absorbing that into your GP, that's probably a mistake in your part. And you're gonna and you're gonna want to go allocate those costs back to the property. Property management. If you're doing property management and you're not charging for that. Think about all the things that go into property management. A third-party group would definitely, definitely, definitely charge a much heftier fee than you would and probably do a weaker job. So if that's going to be the case, then you should charge your investors and your deal for that or include it into your asset management fee. The key thing here is that no business should be made to be run on a break-even or a loss. And just because you're in the business of investing in real estate and managing other people's money doesn't mean that you should subsidize returns in the deal and operate your business at a loss. It's really going to hurt you in the long run. And I think what you'll find in speaking to some of the largest institutional firms out there, Blackstone, Starwood, all of them charge these fees. Everyone charges asset management fees and everyone bills back specific costs and expenses to deals so that all of that expense is allocated fairly and it just doesn't come onto the burden of the GP or the operator to absorb all those costs. Another thing that it's really important to think about is project management, and we differentiate this from asset management. Project management for us is managing a development project or managing CapEx and renovation projects. And at Dove Hill, we bill a project management fee, which is based on the cost of the work, hard costs and soft costs, and it's 5%. In addition, in addition to that fee, we will also build back a portion of the project manager's individual salary and payroll. 
We take a similar approach to a GC. In many GC relationships, if you're in a construction project, you will pay the general conditions, which is really their cost and their overhead to run the project, and their fee is their gross profit. We operate at a similar model when we are renovating or developing our own internal projects. So we look at our project management fee as a gross profit revenue generator and the employees' salary, payroll, any costs and expenses related to doing their job just gets billed back to the job on a proportionate basis. And how we think about the allocation of payroll is on a full-scale development project, 100% of the employee's salary will get billed back because that team member will be required for a ground-up construction project to be 100% available for that project. If it's a substantial renovation, we'll charge 75%. If it's a pretty decent mid-size renovation that's probably going to take three to six months, we'll charge 50% of the salary. And if it's just kind of in the early stages of a project, managing architects, going to get bids, doing the pre-construction work, we'll charge probably about 25% of that team member's salary back to the project. This is something that I've found many people kind of lump into asset management, but it is very different. If you were going to go out and renovate or develop a project, you're going to need a full-time project manager. You're going to need a owner's representative. If you have the ability to offer those services to your investors in-house, then A, you should do it, but you should also charge for it. and. I think this is a good point to actually talk about the relationship between third parties and doing it in-house. So generally speaking, we've gotten to the point at Dove Hill where we can, in most cases, offer third-party services in-house at a better cost because we can lump it in with our whole bundle and at a higher value because we're incentivized buy or promote at a sale or refinance. And, and we're really aligned with our investors because our whole reputation, our whole track record is at stake. So we think we're going to do a better job than a third party in most cases. In some cases though, like accounting, we don't think that we're going to do the best job. And we'd actually prefer to leverage off of a accounting firm that has other clients, that has best-in-class team members that we probably wouldn't be able to afford or scale to that level on our own. So that's an example of something that we actually outsource. Property management is something that we do in-house through our affiliated company, Warzak Hotel Group. We think we can manage full-service lifestyle hotels better than anyone else. This is definitely a strategic advantage for us, something that has been a forefront of our company and a important feature of Dove Hill has always been the vertically integrated nature of our business and our entrepreneurial mindset. And we don't think that's something that we want to outsource because it's so intimate to the cash flows, the budgeting of the business that we want to keep that in-house. However, this is very different from select service hotel management. So if we found ourselves owning a massive portfolio of select service hotels, that might be something we would consider outsourcing the management to 
because we haven't built our management company to focus on limited service hotels. And there are other groups out there that can offer better scale, that can probably do it for cheaper. And frankly, it wouldn't be worth the headache for us to do it. So that would be something that we would look to potentially outsource in a situation like that. But it would have to be really, really specific and really unique. There are certain things like general contracting. We are not a general contractor. That's not something we want to do. Clearly, we're not going to take that on. But if you look at everything that you're doing for your real estate investments and you write that down on a list, I think you'd be surprised as to how much value your investors are getting. And you really need to make sure that the value they're receiving is aligned with the fees that you're charging. And when you go through the list, some things are just going to get lumped into the asset management fee, but other things are not. And you should bill for them separately. Some things you want to build with a profit and other things we elect to build directly at cost. For example, the project manager's salary that I mentioned, we build that out directly at cost. We divide it up based on our percentage basis. Other things we might want to make some additional margin on and we would do it for profit. It just depends on each and everything. But it's really important when you go through that list, you're going to come up with a lot of things. I think you'll be surprised but it'll be a really good exercise to then go back and evaluate how your business is operating. My opinion is for a investment firm managing 500 to a a billion dollars worth of real estate, you're going to have probably 800,000 to a million dollars in payroll just on the asset management side not including property management. A little bit smaller, maybe you can get away with half a million dollars in payroll costs, overhead, rent, toilet paper, all the things that go into it. But I think a good place to think about it is 750 to at least a million for just salaries, not bonuses, just like direct costs. And when you're creating your fee structure, that's something to really keep in mind because you want to start from the beginning a profitable business. It's really hard to subsidize these fees and then go back and ask for them later because the investors have been accustomed to not paying them. So it's going to be really challenging to get them later. So it's important you have these conversations at the beginning. Hope you enjoyed my little rant on GP fees. If you have any questions, please hit me up. I'd love to talk to you. Have a great day. Hey, everyone. It's Jake here. Thanks again for joining me on this conversation. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Lastly, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Jay Warzak. I'll see you in the next episode. Jake Warzak is the founder and CEO of Dove Hill Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Jake and his guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Dove Hill Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not reflect or represent real estate, financial, or investment advice.